Alhamdulillah, we are in the new year according to the Hijri calendar. This is a new beginning where the Hijrah of the Prophet marked a new beginning for the Muslims in Medina. So every New Year is a new beginning for Muslims every year so that they may come back to Allah, reassess, make resolutions and re-understand what is their purpose of life in life. The month of Muharram is very Mubarak as every month of Allah is Mubarak. We've had our Ashura. MashaAllah, yesterday some of you might be fasting today also. May Allah accept. Uh, inshallah. Yeah. But uh, in our um, existence in this country, we uh, must focus on representing the Prophet Muhammad because this is who we are we are part of the ummah of Rasulullah so we represent him in everything we do that is Islamic when we pray we pray the way he did when we fast we fast the way he did. When we give zakat, we give zakat the way he told us. And when we do hajj, we do it the way he did. So even in our ibadat, through the institution of ittiba and following, we represent the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. Even if we worship Allah, we are still following the human being who is Rasulullah So our reason for existence as a Muslim is to represent the Prophet This is our reason for existence. On the Day of Judgment, the Prophet will be there and inshallah he will be with us and we will be with him. This is our hope and desire and this is our dua. So we must appreciate the person who is Rasulullah And there are several ways we can do that. One is to read his seerah Mubarakah. That we read the seerah of the Prophet all the time. Reread, read other books of the seerah, go to listen to lectures where there is a discussion on the seerah of the Prophet. Reconnect with his life 
the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam is a life that we must know and the more we know the more connected we are with him so as a prescription we must read and discover and rediscover the seerah of the Prophet because we want to be personally attached to him our attachment to him is necessary for us to follow him we can't follow him if we're not attached we follow him in the way we worship Allah because we're attached to the Prophet and anyone who rebels against that formula is not attached to the Prophet then he's attached to the nafs or to another philosophy, ideology, whatever. <coughs> but it's not attachment to the sunnah of the Prophet So reading his seerah must be a preoccupation of every Muslim. Understanding his seerah and then acting upon the moral values that the seerah brings into our lives. How was he, how did he respond to the challenges of his time? Why do we say he was a Rasulullah and why do we say he was the greatest man Allah ever created? We must know why. It must be ala basira that we must know and understand from our sources. This is the person whom we follow and whom we represent. If we don't have this preoccupation, which is somewhat academic. I know some of you don't like uh, to read. Um, maybe one or two of you actually promote that you shouldn't read. Uh, that's not what I'm saying here. You should read. Read the seerah of the Prophet because it will connect you to his life. His life is instrumental in molding our lives. Because he responded to the challenges Allah placed upon him. All prophets, they go through trial and they go through tribulation and they grow through tests. No prophet is spared from tests. Every prophet faced challenges, resistance and denial, rejection, persecution, sometimes prosecution, sometimes the prophets were assassinated. This is how we see the seer of the prophets. Then how did they deal with these issues and problems? Just as we have real problems in our lives, every one of us individually we have real problems, or if you don't have problems we have issues, or if you don't have issues you have concerns, whatever it is. As human beings we live and we live with challenges all the time. When you study the seerah of the Prophet Muhammad you will see that his challenges were enormous, mind-boggling, gut-wrenching. It will cause your hair to stand and there will be a shiver down your spine if you read the challenges that the Prophet Muhammad faced. These stories and incidents we must read and then we must get into it as if we are there. 
become personally attached to the story. This is how we used to read. And it's not something that the Ummah has ever left. The Ummah already knew the seerah of the Prophet by the age of seven, nine, whatever it used to be. But nowadays, the bigger picture is that there are tests and challenges to the Ummah. For those of you who are concerned about Islam and the future of Muslims, read the seerah. No one was more concerned about the Ummah than Rasulullah No one ever can be. Collectively, if the whole Ummah's concern is put on, is put on one side of the balance scale and the concern of the Prophet is put on the other side, the Prophet scale will be heavier. No one is more concerned about the Ummah than Rasulullah. So if you're concerned about the Ummah, read the seerah. See how he took on those challenges. See how he resisted. See how resilient he was. See how patient he was. See how tolerant he was. And see how committed he was to do the work and fulfill the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then see it through from the beginning to the end. From the beginning to the end, he saw it through. And now we sit down here and sometimes over our dinner table discussions, sometimes over fundraising uh, dinners, and sometimes over the issues and, and uh, uh, venues, we show concern for the ummah, and we expect to solve them without reading the seerah, without knowing how Rasulullah sallallahu faced those challenges. If you want to say there were political challenges, then he had political challenges. If there were spiritual challenges, he has spiritual challenges. If there are economic challenges, he had economic challenges. If there are social, he has social challenges. If there are cultural challenges, he had cultural challenges. And if there were personal, individual, domestic challenges, he had those also. There's not a department of life in which Rasulullah did not have a challenge. But he faced all these challenges. Why? Because he is Rasulullah. So when we read how he dealt with those challenges on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, monthly and yearly basis, then we can apply the same rubric in our lives and say, Subhanallah, our challenges are minor. Our challenges are insignificant in front of the challenges he faced. Then you get to appreciate the man. Then you get to appreciate the person. Then you appreciate the being and then you appreciate that he is Rasulullah. He faced these challenges because he is Rasulullah. And he overcame these challenges because he is Rasulullah. He was guided by Allah and as, as he was guided. His own person and personality was such that he overcame all of those challenges. The Quraysh came and said, If you want money, we'll give you all the money. Stop what you're doing. If you want a marriage to a person, we'll get you married to anybody you want. If you want power authority, we'll make you our leader. Uh, try saying this to a few more Muslim organizations today. See whether they'll compromise or not. 
That will be a test of their sincerity and their longevity and their commitment. That if the US government says, or someone else in the world says, we'll give you everything you want, but leave Islam. Or change Islam. Or distort Islam. Or make this pitch. Then I'm sure that most of us, myself included, would not at least consider the idea. So the Quraysh threw a challenge to the Prophet We'll give you anything you want under the sun. Anything. Leave what it is you're doing. Don't preach the way you're preaching. Nowadays we talk about compromise. Nowadays we say let's go with the flow. Times are hard and difficult. There are different times now. We need to change. And so on. When you read this story in the seerah of the Prophet you realize that Allah's message the message of najat and salvation is not subject to negotiation. It's not something you negotiate with. Why? Because that is Allah's rule. Allah does what He wants and Allah gives the command the way He wants to. So Rasulullah through his own personality says to the Quraysh if you were to put the sun in one hand and the moon in the other hand I will never leave what Allah wants me to do see how he faced that challenge he was being seduced or being bribed or he was being taken on to another path and he could have acquiesced and he could have been much more comfortable he could have enjoyed life he could have made an impact by the, being the leader of the Quraysh if he was the leader of the Quraysh and they all said you're the leader then he would have said let's do this, this and that and they would have obeyed him because that was tribalism their system worked on tribalism if you became the chief they would listen to you so now he could have said let's do it through the back door ah the back door let's use what we say in ordinary language let's use hikmah the back door means hikmah and hikmah means the back door Rasulullah nothing back door Everything's in front. Islam is transparent. What you see is what you get. I'm not a munafiq. I'm not a hypocrite. I don't have a hidden agenda. My agenda is in front of you. Say la ilaha illallah and you will enter Jannah. And when we consider and compare the challenges we face today, subhanAllah, in the light of the seerah, then as I said, these challenges are insignificant. They're minimal, as they should be, because he's our leader. The leader takes on the brunt of the work. He takes
takes on the concern for the ummah more than anyone else. And he showed us, showed us through his discipline, through his resilience, through his courage, and through his commitment and dedication that Islam is not subject to negotiation. What I'm doing, I do for the sake of Allah. I have no secular motive. I don't want anything in this world. You give me the sun, you give me the moon, I don't care. This has nothing to do with your salvation and well-being in this world. This has to do with your well-being in the other world. And herein lies the secret of the seerah. That the seerah is about how Rasulullah convinced a whole peninsula that their way of worship and their understanding of najat and salvation is wrong. <coughs> and he turned them upside down. And he converted them in a span of 20 years. This is the seerah. So my dear brothers and sisters, one of the ways to develop an attachment with the Prophet ﷺ is to read his seerah. Not with the eye of objection or skepticism. Because nowadays, when we get into seerah, people object, oh there's issues of human rights and there's issues of slavery. Why did he allow slavery? And what is this human rights? Those are discussions that no doubt we can have. But that's not the reason why you read the seerah. The reason why you read the seerah, like the way you read the Qur'an, is for guidance. That you want to guide yourself. Not that you want to answer every objection or criticism that is levied against the Prophet or levied against Islam. You want, you want to benefit from the seerah as an individual consumer, if I can use that word, of the seerah. I want to benefit from the seerah. What is in the seerah that benefits me as a human being, as someone who is trying to uh, procure salvation? And with this we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the love of the Prophet and allow us to understand the Prophet the way we should. Ameen ya rabbal